0: Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, June the 28th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always... I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, training camp dates officially announced and open practices to the public. Is Locked On Dolphins going to go on the road from Davey? Plus, we'll reopen the Twitter mailbag and wrap up the NFL preview with Mark Schofield, the host of the Locked On Patriots podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Himalaya, Google Play, tuned in, Wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow me on Twitter at Winkful and my quest for 10,000 followers. The best follow on Dolphins Twitter as voted by Dolphins Twitter. And check out the show at Locked On Fins. LockedOnDolphins.com has all the written content you guys could need for this Miami Dolphins football team. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go. Miami Dolphins. And first out of today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. That's Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And speaking of hate liking trips... Every single summer, I wind up hate-liking all the activity I see on Twitter and otherwise from Miami Dolphins training camp. Well, now I'm considering taking the show on the road to South Florida. The Dolphins announced open training camp practices to the public from day one on July 25th, a Thursday, all the way through the scrimmage on Saturday, August the 3rd. The one day off in there is a Tuesday, I believe, July 29th. Then they're back at it on Wednesday, uh, July 30th through August the 2nd, which is a Friday, and then the scrimmage at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday, August the 3rd. So that's nine practices in 10 days total. A pretty good shot for a visiting fan, a visiting journalist. I've been granted credentials for the scrimmage on August 3rd at Hard Rock Stadium, and I'm working on possible credentials for the practices at the facility in Davie. Otherwise, the one hang-up here, the wife did approve of the $400 airline ticket it's going to cost me to get down there, but I need to find a place to stay. I just can't justify spending 50 bucks a day for 10 days, 500 in total, if my math check's out there, for an Airbnb when I'm coming down there twice this fall to cover two games during the season. So, Dolphins fans in the area, if you've got a couch and a reasonable setup for me to get the podcast and write-ups done... And truthfully, all that really is, is a second monitor. I need two monitors to do the podcast. Then let's be roommates for 10 days. We'll see what comes of that. I really want to do it, but I'll have to work out those details. And before we spin things forward into segment number two with Mark Schofield, I want to get back into some of your Twitter questions via the mailbag. There were plenty of questions left over I did not get to. Let's go ahead and jump back into that. And we get back into it with this question from A. Hendricks4. He's at A. Hendricks4, but in Roman numerals, as far as his handle goes. Which former Finns first rounder, that's a mouthful, has a better chance for a breakout year, Devontae Parker or Charles Harris? I'm going to go with Charles Harris because one, he stayed healthy for the most part throughout his career so far. And two, we've seen enough of Devontae Parker to kind of know who he is at this point. This offseason stuff is going to get you excited every single offseason because of the build and the makeup of his his body and prototype. He fits that exact prototype at wide receiver. As far as Charles Harris goes, I think he was pretty widely miscast in this last defense. And I think that what he can do as a stunter, as a looper, working inside, possibly as a five tech, maybe sometimes off the ball as an outside linebacker, he might be able to find a way to get some pressure on the quarterback that way through the scheme. So give me Charles Harris. Charles Harris in a relative landslide as far as those two guys goes. Next one here comes in from Kirk Marks. He's at Coco Marks Kirk. In your opinion, what area is the most needy on the team, excluding the quarterback position, in order for Miami to have a shot at a wild card spot? I would say the offensive line, which also kind of is tricky because you're not going to find any quality offensive linemen on the available scrap heap come September cuts. Guys that are valuable to their teams and valuable to their roster just aren't going to find their way onto the free agent market because there is a much higher demand than there is supply. But the offensive line has to find a way to get sorted out because you've got four question marks all across that line. I know everybody's excited about Michael Dieter's potential, but you have to be honest with yourself. He's a third round rookie playing left guard. Do you really expect him to hit right away? If he does, great, but I wouldn't expect this season to be that nice and that kind to him. Maybe in year number two, but I think that left guard is a big question mark right now just as center is with Dan Kilgore and probably even right tackle and right guard with Chris Reed and Jesse Davis as well next question here from and Coleman he's at T Poppy 2113 two for one number one where do you feel Laramie Tunzel could improve I would say the first part of that would be the penalties he's had some discipline issues and he got it kind of got it corrected last year But some of those issues still showed up at times in 2018 during his breakout campaign. His next question, number two, do you truly feel this coaching staff could scheme a pass rush using those phantom blitzes? I feel like this defense is waiting for some pieces next year, like AJ Epinesa. Yeah, they certainly do need to upgrade some of the personnel there. They just don't have the bodies to throw pass rushers. I think they're going to find a way to get Jerome Baker heavily involved in that role. And I have high hopes for Andrew Van Ginkle. Just don't expect the pass rush to come from the defensive ends in the scheme. They're going to be more stand-up linebackers but there will be instances where the four down linemen in even fronts will have seven techniques as defensive ends so you could get some pass rush that way too but I think that a guy like AJ Epinesa makes so much sense for this defense because he can play five tech seven tech off-ball linebacker on-ball linebacker he really can do anything and would be a great add to this defense Next question here comes in from William Olive at William Olive 2 underscore. Which existing Dolphin must have been on the roster in 2018? Does the new coaching staff have the greatest impact on Gasicki, Harris, somebody else? I'm going to go back to the Kenyan Drake well here, just because I think he was criminally mismanaged and misused last season. People seem to be jumping off his bandwagon faster than the Titanic going down, and I'm not sure why. People that were high on him last season, and now all of a sudden they're not anymore. I get that he maybe had some vision issues or some discipline issues and letting holes develop. But I think that was because he was pressing because he wasn't getting the ball enough. And I think that this year, he's going to be the focal point of the running game. And I think he has a breakout season because of the way the coaching staff utilizes him both in the run game and the passing game. Let's get two more here. This one comes in from Leighton Stauffer at Stauffer underscore Leighton. Which player would be most important long-term for the Dolphins should they have a breakout year, Charles Harris or Cordrea Tankersley? I'm going to go with Tankersley because that number two cornerback position is so vitally important outside of Xavier Howard because of the contract he got paid and while Tankersley only has what two more years now of club control getting him this year and next year on the cheap that's kind of when Xavier Howard's contract starts to kind of relinquish some pressure on the Dolphins from a financial standpoint so give me Cordray Tankersley as the more important player there we've got two more questions we're going to get to both of them here actually this one from Clinton Parrott at Clinton Parrott I am giving you a sports time machine and you can go back and watch any Miami Dolphins non-Super Bowl game which one would it be I would definitely have to take the 1985 Bears game. Like you said, you chose the 85 Bears game and the 94 Bledsoe Marino shootout. Give me that 85 Bears game because of what it meant on the national stage. Plus the fact the Bears were undefeated and the Dolphins were kind of protecting their own record. I would love to have been there for that. Plus Dan Marino in his prime. You can't beat that. Last one here from Mr. Stubborn at Abduarte underscore one. I might have answered this the other day, but I'm going to do it again anyways. He asks, what reading materials would you recommend to people who want to familiarize themselves with football schemes and concepts for both sides of the football? Keep your eye or take your eye off the ball is a fantastic scouting guide. The one from Steve Belichick I always reference. Football scouting methods is a great start as well. Just get yourself immersed in videos and online content. The Game Pass film sessions are invaluable. They talk to players who are in the game right now and mostly guys that are absolutely film mavens so get yourself invested in the film portion of things but those two books take your eye off the ball and football scouting methods are a great place to start okay we're going to come back on the other side with Mark Schofield the host of the Lockdown Patriots podcast and break down the Patriots is the AFC, a- AFC East finally going to be open for business one of these days we'll get to that and much more with Mark Schofield on the other side the Lockdown Dolphins podcast part of the Lockdown Podcast Network at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins <laughs> It's stormy and gloomy out here in the Pacific Northwest on this Thursday evening as I record the podcast for Friday, June the 28th, and I know you guys down in South Florida are sweating through all this. I'm trying to get down there in late July for training camp to experience some of this heat myself, so I can kind of sympathize with some of you guys, but let's go ahead and spin forward to our next segment here and wrap up this NFL preview, the AFC East preview with the Patriots and my interview with Mark Schofield. And joining the show now is a longtime friend of the podcast and frequent guest in season and off season. He's the host of the Lockdown Patriots podcast. He is Mark Schofield. Mark, what's up, man?
1: What's going on, Travis? It's always a blast to be with you. We always, you know, chat about a bunch of stuff before we hit record. It's always a fun time, and I'm excited to be back here with you, buddy.
0: Well, we're lucky enough to get you two times during the season because of the division rivalry, but this offseason, we've gotten you on more times because of the Dolphins trying to become Patriots South, and that kind of transitions into my first question for you because... Every time we do a podcast, I feel like I ask you about this topic, and it pertains to every Dolphins fan dream about the Patriots regressing back to the field and reopening the AFC East for business for the first time since 2008. And really, in all honesty, for the first time since last century. So with that said, with multiple coaching changes, four of those guys coming to Miami, Gronkowski out of the fold, Tommy turning 42, is it finally going to happen? Unpack all these changes for us and tell us about Brady approaching his age 42 season and possibly the end sometime of the Patriots reign.
1: I don't think it happens this year. Travis, but I do think that that end is incited. It starts with number twelve, and I say this, and I've said it before on your show. And I was look, he's seven months younger than me. I don't know how he's doing it. You know, he just posted the Instagram story like today that he hit sixty-one on the gun. I can't do that at a county fair. I can't hit forty-one <laughs> with a baseball. Like I don't know how he's doing it. He, it's he's an incredible worker. He's a tireless worker. We've all seen the videos this offseason of him working with Nikhil Harry and Edelman and. Josh Gordon but you can't be honest about Tom Brady and say that he's hasn't suffered a decline because we have seen moments where he's not the same and you know you can look at their loss against Tennessee in week 10 you could see some of the throws that he missed you could see him making mental mistakes such as a game down in Miami where he took a sack on the goal line near the end of the first half when they didn't have timeouts, that's a very uncharacteristic play for him. And so there has been some slippage. I don't think he's fallen off a cliff or anything like that, and he'd be the first to tell you he has it as he put on the caption of that Instagram story today, basically a shot at Max Keller. And so I think he's in a bit of a decline, but he can still obviously go out there and make throws when they need it. Some of his throws in that – AFC Championship game, I think, were great throws. You know, he obviously had the big throw to help win that Super Bowl against the Rams, even though that was a defensive struggle. But then when you look at, say, the Gronkowski factor and him leaving, you can look at his splits with and without Rob Gronkowski. There's going to be, I think, a bit of a drop off. They didn't really address the tight end position. They're going to try to do it piecemeal with some different guys. So I don't think this offense is going to be as good, but. They've also bolstered the running attack. Sony Michelle was a big part of their playoff run. They added yet another running back at Damian Harris. Perhaps that's a nod to Michelle's knee being nicked up, although the recovery is supposedly ongoing. He's ahead of schedule. But that all being said, it's hard to bet against this team right now. Now, I love, Travis, what all the other three AFC East teams did this offseason. I love how they approached the first round. You saw what they did. All of them went basically interior defensive line. Like, that's how you stop Tom Brady. This is a first round of picks designed to stop Tom Brady for the, you know, the, near, the near future. And I love the Josh Rosen acquisition. I love Josh Rosen coming out. I still think he's got a great future as a quarterback. I think it was a great move to make because you can – if you sort it out with him and he pans out, then you don't have to worry about the 2020 draft class. And so I love what these teams have done, but I still think most of these teams – maybe a year or two away from knocking the Patriots off the top.
0: And certainly the Dolphins probably come in last in terms of the length of these rebuilds. But like you said, that's what it is. And it's been a long time since Miami has full on hit that reset button. And I want to go back to a, a, a comment you made regarding kind of Tom Brady's decline and the elevation of the running game in New England, which has been a good crutch for them for a couple of years now and something they tend to do very well, run the ball against favorable boxes and that sort of thing. But I can't remember where I heard it, Mark. Somebody had mentioned that maybe Damian Harris was starting to kind of get some of the buzz in OTAs and that. Sony Michelle was falling out of favor. Is there any truth to that? And where do you put this Patriots' ground game in terms of how important it is to get this team back into the Super Bowl this year?
1: You know, one of my favorite things to tell people is always, even if you don't play fantasy football, follow fantasy players on Twitter like read what they're saying cuz they spend so much time analyzing and overanalyzing whether it's press conferences or workloads and OTAs to try to get that winning edge and one of the things that came out of OTAs now this was probably in large parts of the fact that Sony Michelle couldn't participate cuz of his knee surgery but Harris was getting a workload and if you look at his skill set at Alabama you will see a guy that can do it all as a running back. One of the things with Sony Michelle last year might have been the fact that he was nicked up early, couldn't really participate in preseason. They didn't trust him in the passing game, basically at all. They had a huge run a pa- split with Sony Michelle on the field. If he was on the field, you could be almost certain as a defense, they were gonna run the ball. If he was on the sidelines, they were gonna throw the ball. You know, Damien Harris, however, has the ability to act as a receiver out of the backfield. Alabama trusted him in pass protection situations. He can identify and pick up blitzers. He can chip and release. He can give you the full package as a running back. And this is something the Patriots obviously value. They like to have that flexibility where they can go tempo and they don't have to sub guys in and out depending on what they plan to do from a play-calling standpoint. So that might give Harris sort of an edge over Michelle's we had into training camp. Now, as far as the importance of the running game, I think it's... Going to be important for this team going forward. They want to have that flexibility where they can pick their poison and beat you different ways. This isn't, you know, the Patriots' offense of the say, you know, 2007 through 2013 or so, where they were going to throw it 50 or 60 times. You know, they were going to put it on 12 shoulders to go out there with every game. I think now they want to have a bit more balance. I'm not saying that they're going to you know, rely on the ground game or take the ball out of Tom Brady's hands but i think they'd like the ability to have a bit more balance and keep defenses guessing a little bit more and i think that worked for them down the stretch they became a 21 personnel team down the stretch they were throwing it you know more like 25 to 35 times i think that's where they'd like to be comfortable you know they could still do it here and there throw it at 40 45 50 times like they did in the AFC championship game but i think they'd rather be a bit more balanced in their approach
0: we got Mark Schofield here, Lockdown Patriots podcast on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, all part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And Mark, I could ask you about the receiving core in New England, but it seems like Regardless of how maybe depleted the names are on the roster, it always winds up contributing in certain ways. Obviously, we know Julian Edelman back, fully healthy, one year removed now from the knee injury. You got Nikhil Harry, who I just expect to be an awesome first round pick for them almost right away. But I want to go back to the offensive line because now you're down Trent Brown. You signed Jaredville here to fill that spot, but he's not going to play. He retired football. Isaiah Wynn comes back from the injury kind of unpack this offensive line, Isaiah Wynn's health. And the follow-up question I have for you on that is Joe Tooney, the left guard. Do you think he's going to come back on a new contract with the Patriots or will he test free agency?
1: Yeah, I mean, those are two huge questions facing this offensive line group right now. What is the left tackle spot? Because they draft Isaiah Wynn, He was their first-first rounder last year. He has the Achilles injury, misses the entire season. Thankfully, Trent Brown, who they traded for, stepped into that left left tackle spot and held it down for them. But he got a big contract from the Raiders. So the hope is that Wynn can slide in, but now he's basically still a rookie because he never even saw any regular season action. It was hurt early in the preseason. And he's coming off an Achilles injury, which is a tough injury for offensive linemen, left tackles, to come back from. And so that's a big question mark. Behind him, look, you've got Yannick Juice, who I like out of West Virginia, but I think he's more a swing tackle right now. I don't think he's ready to step in and be a started left tackle for an NFL team that hopes to make it back to a Super Bowl. You know, Cole Croston, he's a depth guy. Marcus Cannon, their right tackle, maybe you move him to left tackle. I don't know about that. And he's also battled some injury injury history of his own and they lost Adrian Waddle via free agency as well who was their swing tackle last year. So the left tackle thing, it's a big question mark for this roster right now. The hope, you know, the glass half full approach is that Isaiah Wynn comes in and can play left tackle. But let's not forget, when he was going through his draft process last year, there were a lot of people that looked at him and said, look, he's got short arms, he's going to have to kick inside. Now, Dante Skarniecki and company said, look, we've had guys like Matt Light before, had the same hard length, went on to be all pro tackles for us, so he can still play tackle. You look at Wynn in his film while he was at Georgia, you played left tackle in the SEC, I think there's a chance you can play it in the NFL, given some of the pass rushers you're going to see. But it is a question mark.
0: And how about Joe Tooney?
1: Oh, no, no, then you get Joe Tooney. And, you know, the issue there is they paid Shaq Mason, their right guard and so he's headed into a contract year when you look at the free agency market for guards coming up there's brandon sheriff from washington and joe Dooney so there's a good chance he's going to get a big offer and then you back that up with the fact that they drafted Hilde Frihold out of Arkansas in the fourth round, who's a very nice interior guard um, at Arkansas. You look at some of his matchups against Quentin Williams and he held his own, you know, they might be looking at Frohold as a guy to like slot in to, to replace Joe Tooney, you know, in next year, next offseason. And so Tooney's probably gonna test free agency and with it being a limited guard market, I think he might get paid.
0: Number one, I want to give you props for the way you pronounce Freyhold there. I've struggled with that the entire offseason to pronounce his name correctly, so congrats to you on that. And number two, as far as Joe Tooney goes, I think that'd be a great addition to come over to the Dolphins because left guard's been an issue for the Dolphins for a long time. They're supposed to have a bunch of cap space next year, but we'll see if they actually do want to put money into the offensive line on the interior. We're going to come back on the other side here with Mark Schofield, host of the Locked On Patriots podcast, and talk about this Patriots defense, some of the losses, and how he might apply some of the schemes and principles Coming down to Miami to play with Brian Flores in 2019 and beyond. We'll get to that next. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked on Fins. And I want to thank Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked on Dolphins podcast. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend, whether you're in the cubicle or at happy hour. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com. Use promo code MBA to get 20% off your order. That's untuckit.com. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Segment number three here of the Friday edition, June the 28th of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Guys, we are climbing along the dead period of the NFL calendar fastly and quickly. Training camp will be here in less than a month. We've got Mark Schofield here of the Lockdown Patriots podcast talking about the New England Patriots and the 32nd team of 32 we've previewed for the 2019 season on the podcast here. It's almost come to its completion, and we start on the defensive side of the ball, Mark, with the two big losses up front. Number one, everybody knows that Trey Flowers was the big-name free agent ticket in the offseason to the Detroit Lions. Malcolm Brown goes over to the New Orleans Saints, so the Patriots come back. And the way they do this every offseason is so impressive. The way they manufacture compensatory picks and get guys for cheap to fit their scheme. You've got Michael Bennett, Chase Winovich. Is Derek Rivers going to step into that fold as well? They signed Mike Pinnell. Where are we at with replacing those guys and the makeup of this defensive line rotation that features so many bodies in so many waves?
1: Yeah, it's fascinating to see how they handle sort of, you know, finding those market inefficiencies and then exploiting them. The compensatory pick process is definitely one that they've worked to their advantage over the years. I mean, look, Tom Brady was a compensatory pick. I mean, this dates back throughout their entire, you know, Belichick era here in New England. And, you know, this is what they do. Trey Flowers is going to get a huge payday. Congrats. Thanks for the time here. <laughs> Best of luck to you in Detroit. Like, we're going to replace you with, like you said, they signed Michael Bennett in that sort of secondary free agency market, and he's on a very team-friendly deal. They can cut him, and it's no cap hit, no dead cap. You know, but I don't anticipate they would cut him. But if something happens, they could. They draft Chase Winovich in the third round, who just screams Patriot, right? I mean, he just seems like a guy that Bill Belichick is going to love. Some of you probably saw the video where, you know, they get him on the phone, and he's, you know, drafted him, and Belichick is like, Welcome to the team. Excited to see you. Can't wait to see you. All right, bye. And meanwhile, Winovich is like starting to cry and his family's like losing their minds. And Belichick's just like there in a hoodie and a pair of shorts, you know, the Patriots front office in the meter rooms. It's it's just quintessential Patriots right there. I think Mike Pennell was a nice acquisition for them. Big interior body sort of replaced Malcolm Brown up front. You know, but let's be honest about the Patriots defensive front. They haven't had like a pure guy that could win one-on-one on a consistent basis, in terms of a passer, since probably Chandler Jones, and they let him go to Arizona. They traded him to Arizona. You know they can get it done with scheme and try to like manufacture some one-on-one opportunities. If you look at Trey Flowers, part of his best moves last year was when they would kick him inside against a guard or a center and get him matches get him some favorable matchups that way so they'll get it done with scheme you mentioned Derek Rivers Travis and that's sort of been a fascinating name for the Patriots over the past couple of years because if you remember when he was coming out out of Youngstown State people loved him they loved him down at the senior bowl but then he you know doesn't really play his rookie year had some injury problems we've been waiting for him to kind of step into that role maybe the third round pick finally does it this year
0: well, it's fascinating to talk about this defense and the way it translates to Miami. And I wanted to get you a question about the linebackers in the secondary because for the longest time, the Patriots secondary has kind of driven that defense and it starts to really kind of mold into the linebacker position as well with Dante Hightower playing two roles, both inside, outside, on ball, off ball. You've got Kyle Van Noy who does so much things that really a lot of other guys in the NFL can't do at the position. So what I want to ask you instead, and I want to kind of position this carefully because it's difficult to, to get the question across the right way is do you think the Patriots defensive scheme is basically inherent to the linebackers they have on that defense? Because like I said, Kyle Van Noy is so unique. Dante Hightower is so unique. And do you think it's replicatable for a team like the Dolphins, even in the first year of the Brian Flores regime?
1: I think you can replicate it because there's an additional factor to this defense that I think people have to really start to talk about and think about the future of defensive football. And that's the role of that third safety, Patrick Chun, because this is a defense that plays a lot of three, two, six, three, three, five. And they basically use Patrick Chun as a hybrid, hybrid linebacker type slash safety, and so there will be times obviously when it's a long, down, and distance where they will have him as more of a traditional, like, strong safety type covering tight ends, maybe still down in the box, but he can play some deep safety stuff at times, but they can use him as a linebacker at times. You will see if you look back at their season last year, you watch this defense, they will have some short-yarded situations. A second and goal from the four, Travis, against Kansas City, and they went three-two-six and had Patrick Chun basically aligned as a linebacker. They can go basically three-two-six, but then change that change that into a three-three-five or even a five-one in a sense, because they will put Fannoy high Hightower down on the edges and align Patrick Chun as a middle linebacker. And So how does Miami do something like that? You look at the skill set of Maker Fitzpatrick. You look at the ability to move him around to different areas of the field. He can be a hybrid-type safety in the Patrick Chun mold, and it would not surprise me at all to see if Brian Fuller is trying to use him that way. And so you can have – you know some defensive packages where you've got maybe, you know you've got Alonzo at one linebacker squad, maybe you've got McMillan or Baker at the other one, and you've got Fitzpatrick with that ability to be that sort of hybrid type player that can give this Miami defense the flexibility to go from three-two-six to three-three-five on the fly and still be able to stop the run or stop the pass, depending on what they see from the offense.
0: That little segment should be required listening for all Dolphins fans because, Mark, one of my biggest pet peeves of the last couple of off-seasons was me kind of advocating for more safeties on this roster to allow that transition to happen, and yet yeah. the fan base is still stuck on this 3-4, 4-3 principle. And I just no. tell them, that, that's not that's
1: the two... That's th- not football anymore. I <laughs> yeah. mean, look, I wrote a piece for Pat's pulpit. It talks about the sort of the future of defensive football, and I looked at what Iowa State is doing in their sort of 3-3-5 defense where they have that sort of joker safety that... On some downs, it's just going to play deep middle of the field. On other downs, it's going to fill in the box as a run stopper. They use this to slow down offenses like Oklahoma, like West Virginia. And people always say, oh, they don't play defense at the Big 12. Well, yeah, they do. And Iowa State is slowing these teams down. Now, they're not stopping them, but they're like holding them under you know yearly averages for points per game or yards per game, stopping the run and the pass. And if you think about the NFL today, you're not getting a ton of stops. That's not really the goal, I think, for defenses in this offensive error and the, the rules so tilted towards the offense. But you want to get some. You want to get a couple. And I think hybrid safeties might be that next sort of way of getting three safeties on the field. You look at teams like the Chargers, and they draft a guy like Kazeer White, a safety at West Virginia, and they basically play him as a hybrid. I think that's the future of defense, and I think these three safety looks are going to be a big part of it. Miami would be smart – to borrow that from New England and wouldn't surprise me at Odyssey, Brian Flores do just that.
0: And I've talked so many times in the podcast about how Deron Harmon played 60% of the snaps last year as a third safety on the Patriots roster. So it's definitely in the new yep. age of football. And you mentioned the Ohio State defense. They held my Washington State Cougars to, I think, one of the season lows on the year as far as points uh, points in the game and yards gained as well. So, like you said, the Big 12 does have some defensive principles that can work in this new modern era of offensive football. Mark, before I let you go, I've been asking the Jets and Bills hosts before you this prediction. Will the Patriots sweep or split with the Dolphins, and what's the Patriots record going to be in 2019, and how far do they go?
1: I mean, look, until I'm convinced otherwise, the Patriots (laughs) are going to lose down in Miami. (laughs) Week two, too. So, Week two, it doesn't matter. Week two, week 15, week 17, that road game at Miami, it is just a black hole for this Patriots team over the past couple of years. They lose it the way they did last year. I mean, Come on, I'm not convinced that they sweep the Dolphins at all. I think it's more a one and one split. As for you know what New England's going to do in this upcoming season, I mean, I think as it is most years, look, it's AFC Championship game at least, if not Super Bowl or bust. When you look at you know the Patriots and they do have, I think, a somewhat favorable schedule. They get the NFC East this year. Washington looks to be down. I don't think the Giants are going to be back. You know, they get Cleveland at home. Anyway, I think that's a, a team that is certainly on the rise, but... You know, they might still be perhaps a year or two, or maybe a year away from being what everybody hopes they're going to be this year. You know, I think that's a game that they would probably win. They get the Chiefs at home, which is favorable. You know, some of their road games down at the stretch, they get, you know, at Cincinnati. So I think this is still probably a 11 and 5, 12 and 4 type team that should be, you know, at least home the first week of the playoffs. And we'll see the matchups that they get. Home field advantage is going to be big for them if they can get it. Yes, they won at Kansas City, but. This was a bad road team last year. It was one of the strangest aspects of this season. They had back-to-back losses at Jacksonville and at Detroit and then at Miami and at Pittsburgh. Their best road win was probably at Chicago. And, you know, they lost at Tennessee in somewhat humiliated fashion. So getting home field would be big for them. And hopefully they do If, if they do get that. You know, then they probably have a much more easier run to an AFC Championship game than perhaps a Super Bowl. But that's kind of the set of the expectations for this team. It's sort of Super Bowl or bust for the most part.
0: Something tells me if the Dolphins do take the Patriots down in week number two, this entire rebuild or tank for Tua among the fan base is going to go completely out the window, and we're no. talking Super oh, Bowl yeah. once again. Like
1: we tend are, to are do. you. I, I don't want to hijack your show, but are you on the tank for Tua? Two- bandwagon here uh after, Is that where you're at
0: after watching jordan loves film not so much i'm a i'm a big fan oh, of his
1: oh jordan love oh man it's gonna be a hard fall for those of us on the east coast man to try to stay up late and watch west jordan love out there <laughs> yeah. you've got KJ costello out there who i think would be good and Whale west the dark horse cole mcdonald
0: cole mcdonald
1: yes i quarterback Getting some first round buzz. I know some people like him a ton. I wrote a piece about him. I think he's fun to watch. That offense is fun to watch. But yeah, if you're you know, if you're a college football fan, and you like watching some good quarterbacks brew the coffee, friends, because it's going to be some <laughs> late nights, some late Saturday nights, or early Sunday mornings, depending on how you look at it for those of us on the East Coast. Well,
0: not to mention Justin Herbert, Khalil Tate, and oh. Jacob Eason as well. And the good ah. news is, for Locked On Dolphins fans, your boy just got signed up with Fansided to cover the Pac-12, so I'll have you guys covering all that stuff this season. It's going to be a lot of fun, Mark. It's fun to watch these quarterbacks. There's nobody you can respect more in the game than when it comes to quarterback play than Mark Schofield. He is Mark Schofield, the host of the On Patriots podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Mark, before I let you go, tell us what you're working on, what the people or where the people can find you. Rather, I know you're a busy guy.
1: Well, Travis, thanks so much for having me. Congrats on the fan side of getting, covering the Big Twelve. That's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, so much good football being played out there. As for me, rolling through phase two of the off season program here at Lockdown Patriots. Phase one was 2018 revisited. We went week by week through the schedule, looking back at some of the the moments that made the 2018 season. Now we're going. Patriots A to Z, two letters a day talking the people, the plays, and the moments that have made this franchise. Dolphins fans, I had to just cover that snow game from the early 80s with a snowplow. With Mark Henderson, a felon (laughs) on work release, (laughs) a burglar driving a snowplow, carving out a little space for John Smith to hit a field goal so the Patriots would beat the Dolphins in a 3-0 game, a game that helped the (laughs) Patriots make the playoffs. Had some Don Shula audio, him losing his mind. Rightly so. It wasn't fair And he actually, Shula asked Pete Rozelle, the commissioner at the time, to overturn the result. And while Rozelle agreed with him that it was wrong, he wasn't going to overturn the result. That snowplow now hated in the Hall of Patriots place in their Hall of Fame.
0: I was going to say, Don Shula probably will have that inscribed on his headstone one day about that snowplow game. Because I think he never has gotten over that. But again, Mark Schofield, Locked on Patriots podcast. Mark, we'll talk to you on The after or before the uh, second week of the season, September the 15th, Dolphins and Patriots at Hard Rock Stadium. We'll get you in the podcast then. Does that sound good?
1: Sounds great, buddy. Already looking forward to it.
0: All right. Be well, my friend. Those interviews with Mark are always so so good as off he goes for another great edition of a crossover podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Before we get out of here, I want to tell you guys about Grip 6 belts, the greatest belt on the universe. They're ultra lightweight belts with no holes and no flaps. Make a great gift to your grandfather, your father, your son, whoever it might be. Grip 6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com/lock. That's grip6.com/lock and a kind reminder for all of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at Locked Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. We're going to talk to you on Sunday night with a best training camp battles to watch edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.